Good morning, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Michael, I think it's a very interesting time we're finding ourselves in South Africa, and especially now we're hearing uh, that, uh, you know, uh, COVID cases are increasing. Perhaps there's a chance that uh, we might be getting another lockdown and these sort of things. But the sad thing is, where does that re- religion, and there's quite a few people now uh, championing this uh, initiative to say, you know what, religion is important, we need religion in South Africa. And I'm, I'm shocked to see religion take such a back seat in the country as far as government is concerned. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, we, Freedom of Religion South Africa 4SA, we are a legal advocacy group, and we exist to protect and promote our religious freedom rights for all South Africans of all faiths. And this is exactly the problem that you've identified. Uh, we have a specific constitutional protection in Section 15 to freedom of religion. And yet, for almost two years now, there's been an unprecedented restriction on this fundamental right. And we're still in a state of national disaster. Regulations are still in place. There's no indication from government where they will be lifted. And as we have seen, government can and has acted in a very arbitrary way. As you will recall, in uh, Mm -hmm. December, January this past year, there was a total ban on religious gatherings, which meant that you could go to a casino and pull the handle of a slot machine, but if you then decided at some point sitting side by side with that same person in the casino to have a prayer meeting, then you could be arrested because somehow that became a religious gathering. And we believe that governments have acted unfairly. They have discriminated unfairly. They have acted unlawfully and unconstitutionally towards the religious sector of South Africa. And just because there is a pandemic does not give government a blank check to disregard the constitutional uh, rights of all South Africans indefinitely. And as we are seeing more and more medical evidence and more and more data is appearing, they cannot simply hide behind the uh, excuse that everything is confidential and they can do what they like when they like. We are going to court to get a legal precedent which will give the circumstances under which and the extent to which government can restrict if they need to and only as they need to our precious religious freedom rights. Well, definitely, and uh, I think it's it's uh, this is much needed. And uh, there, there was a hearing yesterday, and how did that go? The hearing started well. The first thing the government tried to do uh, is to say that the matter is moot. In other words, it's academic, because obviously now we can meet at a greater level, uh, I think 750 uh, indoors and 2,000 outdoors. And they're saying, look, things have changed and things are better. And uh, that's what they did right at the beginning. You might remember that 4SA's case was set down for the 2nd of February, and the president was supposed to be having one of his family chats on the Wednesday, the day after. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he then brought forward uh, his uh, chat to the first so that he could equalize the levels of lockdown against the religious community. So when we went to court then, he, they basically argued, look, uh, it's all sorted. We don't need to be here anymore. And this is exactly why we are back in court. We're back in court because government cannot act in a way that is simply arbitrary. Uh, we must have parameters within which they can operate when they do uh, shut down religious freedom. But it has to be reasonable. It has to be proportional. It has to be justifiable. It has to be fit for purpose. That's what Section 36 of our Constitution says, by the way. It says that government can limit rights 
but they cannot do so in a way that uh, it's just an open hand and they can do whatever they want. They have to show the minimum restrictions that they can put to achieve a specific purpose. And that's why we're back in court. We're back in court to say, government, you don't have data. You do not have evidence to show that religious gatherings are any more dangerous as spreaders of this very serious disease, uh, which we acknowledge that it is, but you don't have evidence to show that it is more dangerous if you're sitting in in a mosque, for example, or if you're sitting in a restaurant, or if you're sitting in a taxi. In fact, if you think about it, why should it be safer to sit shoulder to shoulder with somebody in a taxi, and that's okay, and yet you can't sit socially distanced, you know, sanitized and with your masks on in a mosque 1.5 meters apart? It just doesn't make sense. And so we are saying government must be now given by the court a framework within which it it has to function if it's going to restrict religious freedom rights. Because once we have that precedent, if they do the same thing again, then we will be able to go straight to court as an urgent application and have those regulations overturned. Well, definitely, and I think it's a it's a valiant effort because this is quite serious, and it's uh, quite apparent that government is uh, only focusing only focusing on the financial part of this, uh, you know, on the financial benefit, and somehow, I, I dare I say feels that it's okay. If they say that the virus is so bad that we can't pray together, it's okay to make money if it's putting people's lives in danger. I mean, this is the case they essentially saying. Well, and, and, that, and that is really an absurd argument because, in fact, religion has specific constitutional protections under Section 15, and economic activity does not. So there should be a greater level of protection for religious um, beliefs and conscience and practice, by the way, because religious practice is very much fundamental and involved in and tied up in uh, our freedom of religion rights. And also, religion is an essential part of a human being's dignity. Your faith, is something which is inherent to who you are. It's not an incidental. You don't just leave it behind at the door when you go out in the morning. It is part of who you are. And to say that we cannot practice the tenets of our faith, particularly when uh, some faiths sincerely uh, hold and believe that that involves some form of community, that involves getting together uh, in order to worship. You can't just say, well, let's have worship light and all do it via Zoom or WhatsApp or whatever it is, some other digital platform. Uh, That is completely insufficient. And this level of deprivation is something which cannot be sustained. And it must be something, therefore, which we believe uh, the courts must now speak about so that we can, in future, at the very least, have some remedy if government oversteps this mark. Well, definitely, and I feel uh, it's quite important. It's quite a uh, essential effort uh, that uh, the, a few organisations have gotten together, including yourself. And uh, I think uh, we we need this. We need this to be taken up, not to be given a backseat. And what happens come end of December, start of January? Now uh, we're seeing COVID nineties, uh, COVID cases slightly increase, and government somehow, somehow, for some reason, I don't understand why may target religious institutions first if they decide to go for a lockdown and we've seen this trend that somehow they feel let's hit the religious institutions first what happens come December, January and they say right time to close down the churches, the synagogues, the masjids then what do we do? Well, that is exactly why we are hoping that we're going to get a judgment before 
this so-called fourth wave comes along. Uh, because if we do, then we will be able to know what the parameters are that government can actually shut down religious gatherings. And again, we are also saying that there has not been sufficient consultation in this matter as well. You know, mm-hmm. for SA, in this matter, we represented at one point plus minus 15 million people from a cross-spectrum of the faith of South Africa, almost all of whom are not represented to government by any other structure. And despite an express undertaking uh, by the Deputy Minister of COGTA, uh, Obed Obed, uh, Bapella, that we would be included in the list of stakeholders, and even though we were included, in fact, in two meetings with the President, we were subsequently excluded, probably because we brought this legal action against government, because we realised that government was simply not uh, listening to the faith community. So that's what we're hoping for. If we can get a legal precedent now, then we will have something which we can certainly uh, hold up and contend if government starts to treat the religious community in a way that is clearly unfairly discriminatory and therefore unlawful and unconstitutional. Definitely, uh, Michael, and I hope, I really hope you guys success. What was the latest in the hearing yesterday? The hearing yesterday was, again, the argument was around whether or not the case could be brought at all. Uh, Government tried very hard, in fact, to postpone the case, because obviously the longer they can delay the judgment for them, I think the better. Uh, But today, for SA, this morning, we are, in fact, uh, up first before the judge. Uh, The case is going to kick off, I think, at 9.30. It's going to be streamed live. Uh, There's going to be a link to it on our forsa.org.za. That's forsa.org.za a website and you can click on that and we're going to obviously be giving some updates as well uh, toward the end of the day but this is a very critical day so uh, any prayers that your listeners would care to offer up uh, in our support would be greatly appreciated Prayers are definitely there, Michael. Prayers are definitely there. We're keeping a close eye on it. And just, just for interest sake, just to share a, a bit of information, uh, you know, uh, in the masjid, for example, when Muslims go to pray, you know, they always encourage, we've seen these adverts, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Now, it's essential for a Muslim before he prays. Now, listen to this, how beautiful this is. You wash your hands, you wash your hands right up to your elbow, you wash your face, you wash your head, you wash your feet, then you can pray and still for some some reason government is saying this is more dangerous than a taxi I cannot understand it I cannot understand for the love of me and this is essential for a Muslim before he prays he has it's in a called a state of wudu so he has to wash his hands right up to his elbows wash his face wash his hair wash his feet and still government we don't even need to be social distant if it's that clean and still government is finding a problem with it I just cannot I cannot for the love of me understand government's reasoning but I hope that uh, freedom of religion of South Africa uh, is successful in this. I hope uh, the Council of Churches is successful. I hope the Muslim Lawyers Association are successful because uh, I really think at a time like this, we do need religion and it's an essential part of the Constitution, like you said. And uh, Michael, I wish you all the best. Well, as you say, just to conclude, the other thing that we're going for very importantly is so that... uh, religious workers or religious leaders are recognized as essential workers. Mm -hmm. That is still not the case in the regulations. So 
potentially if a hard shutdown comes, again, the imams and the uh, leaders of mosques and churches and will, will be shut down, will be literally locked away and unable to reach and to minister to their congregants. And we're also saying that that is unacceptable, because clearly, from the beginning, the faith community, and we've seen it particularly in the way that the um, Islamic faith responded with incredible help that you sent out to so many people, you are in the front lines, you must be recognized, and we're also pushing for that as part of our case. Well, uh, definitely, Michael, we really appreciate it. Uh, And the best way we can win this and the best way we can uh, get through this is together. So uh, let's hope. We wish you all the best. We wish all the organizations who are active in this uh, all the best. And uh, inshallah, we're hoping for a good outcome. Thank you very much. uh, Thank thank you so much for speaking to us, uh, Michael. And uh, we hope to hear from you soon with a positive update. But for now, uh, we're going to have to let you go. Time running out. Uh, Good uh, morning and uh, all the best for today as well. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye. Michael Swain, the Executive Director for Freedom of Religion of South Africa. Quick announcement, we've been emphasizing the importance of religion, the importance of Masajid. Now, there's also, we've seen those messages recently of uh, the Jamaat Khana at the airport. And uh, this is quite important because we don't want to lose it. We really don't. And I'm sure at some point, if you're at the airport and you needed to perform Salah, it's a welcome place to be. It's a welcome uh, to have a, a proper Jamaat Kana, Wudu Kana, you know, to perform your Salah uh, nicely and easily. And uh, now there's an announcement, dear listeners, of Marka Sahaba, which I think is quite important as well. Now, airport authority are requesting all Muslim brothers and sisters that they should spend some time at the places made for prayers at the airports. And these places are lying empty and unused because nobody performs Salah at these places. At the airports, an airport authority has decided that if places are not used by the Muslims for prayers, then these spaces will be used for other purposes. So please, brothers, relatives, friends, if you can, spend a few minutes of your time. Five to ten minutes. Pray your salah on time. There has been accommodation made at these places. And uh, use these places at the airport so that your journey is successful and these places are also not lost. Please, please. I think this is very important. And I mean, how easy is it for us? They literally have made a Jamaat Kana. There's a, it's a wonderful looking Jamaat Kana as well. Dear listeners of Marka Sahab Online. So at your airports, if you have a Jamaat Kana, please make use of it. Number one, uh, to, well, number one is actually you have to pray your Salah on time. And number two, to keep these places open. Make it convenient for those who really uh, need places uh, to pray.